0: Good morning, Chapel Hill. Great to see all of you worshiping with us here in person. And to those of you who are joining us online, we're so glad that we can be there with you as well. Welcome. I have some good news. I shared this news with you last week, but I reiterate it today. Our in person attendance continues to grow as people are coming and discovering it is safe and uh, rediscovering the joy of worshiping together and in person. We are growing. And, uh, of course, there are some for whom it is not yet safe to venture out, and we understand that. But as more and more are returning, we need to uh, add a third service. You heard that from Rachel and from Julie uh, in the the video earlier. Uh, So next week, we kick it off. Our first service will be 8.30 for our classic service. And then the two that are going to impact all of you. We'll have one at 10 o'clock and one at 11.30. And in order to to comply with the governor's mandates, we we want to make sure there's plenty of space for every single person who wants to come back. So we need now to do a a scientific uh, process of distributing our numbers to make sure it works out just right in uh, in this new arrangement, okay? So here's what I need to ask you. If you're planning, bear with us at home for a moment. If you are planning on being with us at our 10 o'clock service going forward, raise your hand, please. Okay, and if you're planning on the 1130, raise your hand. Oh, our high schoolers, all right. That's a perfect distribution. It'll look like 50 print right down the middle, so that's perfect. I knew you guys would lead the way at the 1130 service, so thank you. Anyway, if you guys would do that, that'll help spread it out and make sure that we have plenty. And uh, we're looking forward to next week, three services. Here we go as the Lord continues to grow His church. We're continuing uh, this morning in our series on 2 Corinthians, which we are calling Behind the Mask, Getting Real. Behind the Mask, Getting Real. I really felt that this book was a great one for us to be diving into in the midst of this because of all that Paul was dealing with, the hard things that Paul was facing at that time. And one of the things that Paul reveals to us is something that's actually kind of surprising, and that's this, that Moses actually struggled with a little touch of spiritual pride we we are told we we realize that Moses went up on Mount Sinai to be with the Lord everyone knows about that Listened to God got the Ten Commandments and all of that but we're told in the book of Exodus that when God met with him that his presence his overwhelming glory as the Bible calls it was so powerful that literally Moses's face began to shine like the sun And when he came back down from Mount Sinai and met with his people, it freaked his people out. They couldn't pay attention to him because he was just sitting up there shining, his face was shining. And so we are told that Moses put on a veil, a mask, in order to cover the shininess so that he could minister to his people. But what we don't discover until Paul tells us the rest of the story in 2 Corinthians is that long after Moses' shininess began to fade, he kept wearing his mask because he wanted to pretend that he was still shiny. He wanted to pretend that he was still more spiritual than he really was. And honestly, how many of us fall into this same trap? We feel the need to appear a certain way before a certain group of people, especially when we show up on a Sunday morning in church. We want to put on our spiritual facade, we want to put on our our spiritual best, and so we are a little bit phony, a little bit hypocritical. And honestly, trying to keep up that pretense is exhausting. It is, it's just tiring to do it. But the good news that Paul tells us is that the Holy Spirit has removed that mask from us and we have been emancipated. One of the great promises of Second Corinthians is, is this one: Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So let's say that together. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I met with a dear friend this last week who, after decades of pretending, Decades of struggle and pretense. He finally came clean about his problems, his addictions. He came clean with himself, with his family, his friends, and with his God. It was a painful process, but he said he is so relieved to finally be honest, walking in transparency before them. And he says, my healing has finally begun. Mask wearing, though, it doesn't just impact the way that people look at us. It turns out it also impacts the way that we look at others, the way that we look at life. One of the surprising things about these COVID masks that we have been wearing is that I've discovered it actually not only impairs your speech, it's almost impossible to hear what people are saying, right? You're constantly saying, would you say it louder? Repeat yourself. But it not only impairs our speech, it sometimes impairs our vision, have you noticed that people sometimes get their peripheral vision screwed up? I can't tell you how many times. I've been driving through a parking lot. You're, ch- naked, you're nodding your head. I'm driving through a parking lot, and someone just walks out right in front of me. And I, I think it's because the masks are actually impacting the way that they see, the, see life. Either that or they think that mask is going to protect them from a Subaru Ascent, and I'm not sure what, which it is. Paul says, rip off your spiritual mask. Because not only only are you living a lie, your mask actually prevents you from seeing God clearly. When we're so concerned with covering up what is wrong with us, it makes it harder for God to do what He wants to do in us. Heal what is hurt and clean up what is dirty and forgive what is shameful and rebuild what is broken and strengthen what is weak. That's what God wants to do. When we finally renounce hypocrisy, when we rip off these spiritual masks, that is when God is able to do His greatest work in us and through us. Paul says it this way, he says, And we all, with unveiled face, there it is, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. This might be my favorite verse in this book. I love this promise because it means that every day, day by day, bit by bit, the Holy Spirit is transforming me to be more like Jesus. And this is actually a miraculous work of creation. It's no different than the miracle of creation that God did in the beginning of Genesis when He created the whole universe out of nothing. And Paul alludes to that when he says, For God who said, let light shine in the darkness. That's the the language of creation. That's looking back to Genesis 1. He says, this same God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When we tear off the spiritual masks behind which we often hide, we not only do we live more authentically, It allows us to have more of the life-giving power of Jesus enter us. This may seem a little dense at times, but it is so important for us to understand this when we stop pretending to be religious and instead open ourselves up completely to God, to the very power that created the universe, to the very power that raised Jesus from death to life. That power, we are told, that Glory lives inside us. Do you believe that? Do you receive that? You are a repository of the greatest treasure of all time, the transforming glory of Almighty God. That's what Paul says. I want to show you a picture of our safe. This is the safe in my shop downstairs. In it, we keep our weapons, we keep our important papers. We keep a little bit of cash, and we keep our treasures. We don't have a whole lot of treasures, but that which we find to be most precious, we keep inside that safe because it is secure and solid and fireproof. It is also heavy, as the Chapel Hill guys who helped me move it would attest to, those guys with the hernias as a result. Now, if you were given the greatest treasure of all time, the glory of God... The awesome presence of the Creator. Where would you store that treasure? What is the container in which you would place this life-giving, life-changing glory of God? You know what Paul says? Right here. This is the repository of the Holy Spirit. If you want to turn with me to our text today, it comes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with verse 16. 7 listen to these amazing words paul writes but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to god and not to us we are afflicted in every way but not crushed perplexed but not driven to despair persecuted but not forsaken struck down but not destroyed always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. And then we drop down to verse 16. Here's those words from last week that still bear repeating. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This is the word of the Lord. Holy Spirit, Would you help us to see the eternal, the things that unseen, reveal them to us today through your word and through your work, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this is a jar of clay, a literal jar of clay. It is modest, relatively inexpensive, kind of unimpressive, unadorned, very fragile. And this is what Paul uses to describe us. This is this is us in our own strength. And if we're really honest about our past, if we could really tell the truth, we would admit that there are lots of reasons that would disqualify us from doing ministry for God, right? And yet Paul says that into these modest, unimpressive, fragile containers God has chosen to deposit the greatest of all his treasures himself, his spirit, his glory, his transforming power and life. If you belong to Jesus, no matter what you look like on the outside, no matter how rough or common or unimpressive or cracked you appear to be, the glory of Almighty God dwells inside you. That is an astounding assertion. But it is for this reason that I think Paul seems to speak out of both sides of his mouth in this this letter. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean that back in chapter 1, Paul describes the hard times that he has been facing, the persecutions, the afflictions, the loneliness that he experienced, how terribly he had suffered. He used these words. He said, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt like we had received the sentence of death. I've pointed this out before, but I'll say it again. This is the Apostle Paul saying, I reached a point where I did not want to live anymore. Have you ever been there? A lot of us have. He said, I despaired of life itself. That's what he said only two pages ago. And now suddenly we hear him Describing his suffering experience as a light, momentary affliction. And you want to say, Well, which is it, Paul? Now he seems to be saying, persecution, eh, it's just a momentary affliction, a little annoyance, an irritation. Now, how could it be that his sufferings only two pages ago were a sentence of death, and now he can speak about them as eh, an irritation? Because I think once again, Paul remembered. The treasure that is within his jar. He remembered the power that lives within him. He reminded himself of the God who carries him through these times of suffering. And, and because it is so obvious that it requires more strength than Paul could possibly possess, it is God alone who receives the glory when he makes it through those times. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay, listen, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And then he goes on, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Pastor Ellis spoke recently about the importance of perspective in a season like this. And I think Paul... As he moved through this letter, regained perspective by turning his eyes away from his afflictions and toward his God. Paul says, we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Last week, Pastor, uh, we, we all prayed for uh, President Trump and the others in his circle who had been afflicted by covid And it seems our prayers were answered, thanks be to God. But he tweeted out something at the beginning of this week that stirred up a firestorm of controversy. I wonder if you saw it. He tweeted, don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it dominate your life. And of course, some jumped on this and criticized him for, given the fact that over 210,000 Americans have died from this disease, They seem to be saying, we ought to be afraid of COVID. We ought to be terrified of it. And if the president was indeed saying that we ought not to be cautious, we ought not to be prudent, we ought not to be continuously vigilant in our battle against this disease, then that would be irresponsible. But I don't think that's what he was saying. I think what he was saying is don't live in fear. And at a time when our nation is terrified, this is an essential message for us to proclaim. We are living in fear. One side lives in fear of losing their health. The other side lives in fear of losing their liberty. And we are at loggerheads with each other. These things, our health, our liberties, which, in which we put our security, they feel like they are being taken away from us. And so as a nation, we are in a time when we are living in fear. I think Paul would put it this way. He would say, we have set our sights on the externals of this life. The circumstances of our life beyond our control. We are focused on clay jars, on protecting and preserving our fragile physical existence. And you know the problem with that, right? Paul puts it this way. He says, our outer self is in fact wasting away. We are wasting away. Or if I might put it more succinctly, ultimately, this is what is going to happen to every one of our jars. This is what's going to happen to every one of us. And of course if the focus of our life is on these bodies, these treasures and the security of this world, then the future will indeed be terrifying. But Paul says don't do that. Don't focus on what is transient. Focus on what is eternal. Later on in chapter 5, Paul puts it this way so memorably. He says, walk by faith, not by sight. And that message is astonishingly countercultural. And here's what's even more astonishing. The more broken our lives, the more cracked our pots, the more God's glory is able to shine through us and work through us. Even in really difficult times like right now, it is through our cracks that God's glory can shine. My sweetheart Cindy lived in Japan for six months. She taught English there. And uh, she really loved her time there. And her beloved Grandma Margaret, knowing of Cindy's passion for Japan, when she returned she presented her with a gift. It's a beautiful Uh, yadro. A porcelain image of a of a beautiful Japanese girl, and it was lovely, and it was meaningful, and it was very expensive. Cindy is not much of a knick-knack person. You will not find on our shelves a lot of doodads, but this has sat on display in our house for all of our married life, that is, until Cooper came along. And one day in uh, Cooper's crazed teenage years, he was horsing around and this was knocked to the ground and the head was snapped clean off. And Cindy was devastated and furious. <laughs> and Cooper was sentenced to earn $350 in order to replace what was in fact irreplaceable because they don't even make these anymore. They are only for an ext- a brief time. And in the meantime, as he was earning his money, this remained in pieces, in its box. Finally, he did earn enough money, and yet, the Yadro kept in the box, and our daughter Rachel came to her mom and said, Mom, why why haven't you replaced the Yadro yet? And Cindy said, because it's not the same. That, That was a gift from my grandma, that's what made it precious. And so Rachel went online and she found an artisan who specializes in repairing yadros. And she tapped into Cooper's money and sent the pieces and the money off to this woman. Turned out it'd be nearly as expensive to repair it as it would have been to buy a used version of the same thing. But she did her magic and she sent it back And Cooper and Rachel gave this to Cindy for her birthday. And it was the most precious gift she ever received. To this day, it sits proudly on our mantle. I need to tell you that I was terrified even to bring it here (laughs) this morning. It is precious because Cindy preferred the real thing, the original, the treasured gift from her grandma, cracks and all over a flawless replacement. Astonishingly, this is God's opinion of us, too. He knows that we're fallible. He knows that we are flawed individuals. He knows there's stuff in our background that ought to disqualify us from ministry. He knows that we are crackpots. But He loves us still, and He uses us still. And He would rather repair what is broken than start over anew. Because every time one of our cracks is visible, and the light of His glory shines through that, it is a reminder of His goodness, His mercy, His grace, His recreative power. You are crackpots, all of you, every single one of you, and God adores you. He has poured His Spirit into every one of your lives. He is putting together your broken pieces. He's shining through every one of your imperfections, a reminder of the great treasure that lives within you. So set your eyes on that. Keep your focus on Jesus, and especially in these hard times. And then you will be able to say with Paul, as it reads in the message, we've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side, and we've been thrown down, but we haven't been broken. Almighty God, this is an astounding glimpse of your grace and mercy and power, that you don't give up on us, that you come to live inside us, and in your abiding... Mm. You take what is broken and cracked and shameful and flawed and disqualifying and dirtying and you clean it up. And then those cracks become not a source of shame or embarrassment, but a testimony to your creative power in our lives. I pray for every person here today that once again we would receive the gift of your spirit anew. Open your hands up again. Lay them on your lap and just repeat after me. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Say it out loud. Come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit we invite you to come anew into our life. Rebuild what is broken. Restore what is damaged. Clean up what is shameful, strengthen what is weak, that we might give you all the glory which you deserve. We are amazed by your kindness, and we pray this prayer in the name of the one who made it possible, and all of God's people said,